0: everyone. Welcome to the brand new season of For the Love of Books podcast featuring India's small press authors with host author Emma Polova. I would like to thank our sponsors, Doc Chavent and authors Hilton Everett-Moore and Ed Delaney. Together we've been bringing you stories for 130 years. Today I will be chatting with author Jan Afman, who will announce the details of her book giveaway of Sorry Sorry at the end of the interview. Jan Afman is a retired nurse, pastor, missionary wife. Her husband's work led them to many locations they've called home, including Taiwan and the Philippines. Sorry Sorry is Afman's first book, although she's always been writing journaling, family newsletters, procedure books, lesson plans. They have one son and four grandchildren. Hello, Jen. How are you today?
1: Hello, Emma. I'm fine. Good. Thanks for having me on this podcast. Yeah,
0: that's great. Okay. Well, tell us all about your memoir. Sorry, sorry. I love the name. What prompted you to write it?
1: Well, what prompted me to write it? was the encouragement of family and friends. I, I've done a lot of writing, uh, especially of my stories when I've been overseas mm-hmm. and have to write letters home and mission reports and all those sort of things. And I've been encouraged to just write them down sometimes and put them in a book. So I finally got around to doing it after we retired. <laughs>
0: How long did you stay abroad between these different countries? Approximately how many
1: years? Well, it was 10 years in Taiwan and six years in the Philippines.
0: In the Philippines. Okay, so this is your debut book. What does it feel like to have a new book on the market? Congratulations.
1: Oh, thanks. (laughs) It's kind of it, it's kind of unreal <laughs> <laughs>
0: but it's a great feeling right right and what kind yeah. of a response have you been getting so far
1: i've gotten quite a quite good response yeah from people who've read it and um i wrote before this before i published it i kind of wrote a copy just for family and friends and mm-hmm. Uh, So that gave me a lot of encouragement, and that's why I was told to publish it. Okay. But, yes, I've gotten good response. I've gotten positive feedback.
0: Okay. And how long did it take you to write it?
1: Yeah, that's a hard question because (laughs) a a lot of my writing uh, I found in my journals that I wrote in the Philippines. So I guess you could say I actually started writing there, but I didn't probably start putting the book together until oh well it was before the pandemic i started and that probably took me a couple years and then i revised it since then and got it online so and i had help with getting it online from my sister-in-law and my brother who are really good at tech stuff at computer stuff which i'm not so
0: (laughs) that's good that you had this kind of help Uh, yes (laughs) what resources did you use like, let's say, to bring back your memories, uh, did you have to use some photos, clippings, or how did you go about organizing all that material?
1: Well, I did have, I got out my journals mm-hmm. from the Philippines, and also a few letters that I had written back that people gave me that I'd written from the Philippines. And, of course, pictures. I had a lot of pictures. Mm-hmm. And um the way I organized it, well, first of all, the way I wrote it was if I felt like writing something, I just wrote that. I didn't care whether it was chronological or not. I just wrote up everything and then when I got it all together, I put it in order. So um I didn't, you know, I I I didn't write it like from the beginning to the end.
0: Okay. Okay. Did I wrote you... it as
1: I felt like writing. <laughs>
0: That's the best way to write. Uh, Did you use a timeline? Um, Or outline? Not really.
1: No, I didn't. I just, I used um, post-it notes with titles. Mm -hmm. And then I put them on a big piece of cardboard and rearranged them. Okay. And that way I got the timing correct.
0: Okay. Uh, So what was the biggest challenge in writing? Sorry, sorry.
1: I think the biggest challenge was knowing what to leave out. <laughs> <laughs> so you had that much material, huh? <laughs> well, I had—I mean, I could have put more stories in there because we lived there for six years. And um, I, you know, I could have included a lot more, but I had, you finally have to end. You finally just have to quit and get the show on the road. But um, I think that was probably one of the most difficult things things
0: so how did you okay go ahead
1: and also knowing how to how to get it published in my like I said my my uh sister-in-law and brother were very helpful with that
0: so how did you know what to leave out and what to include I think that's a big challenge for all memoirists Uh, did you have any kind of criteria or
1: I I think I tried to um, keep it to my adjustments and, and my, my the way I looked at Filipino culture from an expatriate's point of view and how I overcame content uh, how I learned contentment in a difficult situation. so i I tried to limit it to some of that.
0: okay. Um, so what was the most difficult about living there?
1: Well, Um, I think part of it was the time of my life.
0: Okay. Um,
1: I had, we had resettled in the U S and I, we were in Indiana for about, we'd been there for about 10 or 11 years when this opportunity came up and I had gone back to school and gotten my nurse practitioner certificate and started becoming comfortable in my job, and also I had a son and daughter-in-law who had lived overseas. They were just coming back mm-hmm. when it was time for us to leave, and so I think it was the time of my life. I it was hard to to pry myself out of my comfort zone <laughs> and go uh, into something new again, and so, also mm-hmm. also the the culture um it's always a, it's always difficult to um learn to live in another culture it's different than being a tourist or visiting because um at first it's exciting but everybody has to go through culture shock when you live overseas for a while right. and, and that that was difficult
0: so what helped you overcome some of these difficulties
1: well um <laughs> for one thing the things that happened were often humorous. And so um, I got to laughing, and a sense of humor can always help you get through right. something. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, some good friends there, the ones who encouraged us to come, and um, they understood. Also, I had uh, we had prayer support back here, mm-hmm. and I know that helped. And then just being able to communicate back home with family and friends. Sure.
0: Uh, what was the most gratifying
1: part in living abroad overseas? I think learning how other people do things, learning about another culture, growing from the experience of not being a happy camper <laughs> into lear- learning contentment. Okay. I think that was... Um, one of the best things I learned. Uh,
0: did you work there as a nurse?
1: I had a lot of um, sort of volunteer type jobs there. I was a, um, well, I worked with an, a non-government organization doing assessments for preschool children who um, were malnourished. I did that for a while. I helped with an a, um, English a group of women who wanted to practice their English. They were from different Asian countries. I was the um, contact person for our mission uh, as far as the health of the health situations of the missionaries that live there. So I was kind of the go-between and um, mm-hmm. the contact person. I also taught um, in a I – I was a health consultant at a small branch of the International School Manila. And I ended up teaching a health course at a, a a Bible college, which that was a brand new thing for me. Oh, so yeah. a number of odd, a, a number of different things came up, but that's one thing about nursing—you got to be flexible.
0: Sure. Uh, how about the language barrier? How did that
1: work out for you? Um, not very well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can you explain that to us? <laughs> Well, going back, in Taiwan, we learned Mandarin, and I liked learning Mandarin. It's Mm. a sort of a tonal language, even though it was difficult. I I kind of got the hang of that and was able to communicate pretty well in Mandarin. And so I was looking forward to learning Tagalog, but it didn't go so well. (laughs) Um, It's a language with a lot of vowel sounds. Okay. And you know, like, ah, 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 you know, that kind of thing in, in the words. And it's hard to catch all that when you're listening to someone. Mm-hmm. And plus, I had a, a tutor who thought, didn't think it was so important for women, for, for me as a woman to learn the language, he thought it was more important that my husband learn it. Oh, and so mm. when I had my <laughs> tutoring sessions, he ended up talking to me about his health, because he knew I was a nurse. And Finally, I just sort of got discouraged and quit. (laughs) (laughs) And also, um, it seemed like every time I tried to use my Tagalog in the market or somewhere else, my Chinese would come out. And I would think I was talking Tagalog, but actually I was talking Chinese. And nobody, of course, would understand me. It it just, it got mixed up in my head, I guess.
0: (laughs) So how did you get your shopping done in the market?
1: Well... I did, I was able to, to get by a little bit, but I mm-hmm. just, I just didn't ever become fluent in Tagalog. Oh, okay. And how a about, lot of people, okay. A lot of people do speak English there, mm-hmm. so I could get by with, with that too. And how about writing?
0: Did you stick to English or did you have to use some of their writing?
1: I didn't have to use their writing, but I do use a lot of Tagalog words in my book and I have a mm-hmm. glossary at the end.
0: Okay. What is the most interesting word you've learned in Tagalog? <laughs> oh.
1: <laughs> that also oh. sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry,
0: sorry. Okay. Okay. And because, it means I mean, it, the dress, it sounds, the it a
1: little. It sounds a little unusual. Does it mean um,
0: the clothing?
1: No, it doesn't mean the clothing. What does it mean? Uh, Well, a sari sari is a, it's a, it's a little store. It's a tiny little store and they have them in every barangay. You don't go into the store. There's a little window and you can ask for what you want. And the person inside will grab what you want off the shelf or off the wall. And what they sell is just like a day's worth of whatever you know you can buy a a day's worth of toothpaste in a little contain a little plastic container or a day's worth of crackers or a day's worth of shampoo you know just just enough to pay a couple a peso or two or you can buy one egg or you can buy a drink of coke in a plastic bag with a straw coming through it um, they, it, you know, because often the people that live in the area where we lived and in other areas in the Philippines don't have enough to buy a whole month's or a week's supply of something. And so they just go and buy what they need for the day.
0: Were there a lot of these sorry saris
1: Yes, they're all over the place. And they're, I have a picture of one in my book. They're little cement um, block buildings with mm-hmm. like one window in the front. And um yeah, I call my book sorry sorry because I had to learn to live by the day, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Every day was different. I knew what didn't know what to expect. And uh-huh. I I think God gave me what I needed for each day, but not for the next day. Right. And he penned on one day at a time.
0: So were these sorry sorry's affordable for anyone?
1: Yes, most people at least had a pay so that they could buy. Mm -hmm. um something so yeah that's why they they had the day's worth of whatever you wanted to buy they didn't have a large package but they had a lot of small packages
0: and who ran these like individual store owners yes
1: yes, they had individual owners Mm -hmm.
0: okay how about any surprises discoveries or epiphanies while writing this book
1: um, well um I think the surprise was that I could actually get it all together in a book form right that's the biggest surprise that's what I hear <laughs> yeah.
0: from all the authors <laughs> and that's a good surprise
1: it is a good surprise yeah <laughs> any and,
0: uh, any maybe uh discoveries epiphanies that you didn't realize while you were living there
1: in the um, Philippines? I can't really think of anything that was all that much of a a surprise mm-hmm. going through it. I pretty much had processed it by the time yeah. I, I wrote the book. Right.
0: What do you feel you did right in the book that no one could have done it like you?
1: Well, I told, I was quite honest and I told it from my own point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, I I tried to be as yeah as truthful as I could. I didn't I tried not to be negative because I hope it didn't come out negative, but some of the experiences were were difficult for me. So, um, I think it was just my own um, viewpoint which of course nobody else could have. Sure. Of Filipino culture and observations mm-hmm. of what life was like there as an expat
0: hmm What would you have done differently, if anything?
1: Of living there or of writing? Uh
0: first of living there and then
1: of writing about it. Well, I wished that I would have learned contentment a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it took me a <laughs> couple of years. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to had to learn to to look uh, to look for the good thing in each day. Right. I made myself. I made myself write down five gifts of each day, mm-hmm. and then I would start to look for them.
0: Okay, but
1: um, that was that was something that took me a while to learn, and I would tell about that in the book. And, and how far- about
0: writing? What would you have written differently?
1: Um. Well, we went through nine eleven while we were there, and I didn't include anything about that, and I probably could have written something about our experience during 911 and what, what was it, was it like. like what was it like there it we felt re- for, pretty felt re- pretty felt I'm sorry I'm, oh, my tongue's okay. getting twisted that's okay we felt sort of far removed mm-hmm. um and one of our neighbors when it happened told us to go up and look at our television because something was going on in the states. And we had this little television upstairs. We turned it on. And when we first saw the pictures, I thought I didn't I thought we were in the wrong channel. I thought it was like a horror movie. Okay. You know, something something yeah, I didn't think it was really going on until we started to hear the news reports right. and and also the other thing that happened were was that a lot of people, well, we had to, we were advised to stay, to stay home, to not go very far from home mm-hmm. because, um, the embassy didn't know what the reaction was be like over there. So we were careful about going out. And also the, I realized, I remember that the Filipino people were, were quite, um, they were, they were quite, um, i I don't know complimentary but they were helpful they didn't okay uh, they weren't critical about it okay Mm -hmm. the only person who was critical was someone from uh, the uk who said we had it coming oh gosh (laughs) (laughs) but i think he was unusual okay most people were quite understanding sure what
0: have you learned about yourself from writing this book obviously we talked about contentment what else anything else learning to be
1: content and I've learned a lot about writing and that I can actually I that I can believe myself that I'm a writer I I sort of uh, didn't want to believe that um but now I'm starting to accept the fact that I am a writer. <laughs> except,
0: I like that, accept the fact you do have to learn to accept yourself as a writer and as an author.
1: I agree yep. with you. Yes. And what was helpful is about the time I started writing the book, started getting into writing seriously, I joined a writing group. Good. And I learned a lot about writing. Um, it was almost like, you know, because we critique each other mm-hmm. and uh, we give positive as well as uh, constructional right. critiques. And so that was very helpful to me. And I learned a lot about the process of writing and that I could even help critique other writers.
0: Other writers, very important. What are some of the takeaways from a sorry, sorry? Now that I've learned that it's actually a store and not a piece of clothing
1: yeah <laughs> well, and a, a, a sorry with just one word, sorry is actually a piece of clothing, I know, but it, that's another thing about the Tagalog language. they often repeat words. Oh,
0: like, okay, yeah. so that's the deal. Yeah, so what are right. some of the takeaways?
1: um well, one of the takeaways is that is I would in, I would encourage people not to, avoid difficult experiences. Okay, different life situations, because they are opportunities to grow to grow and to learn. And also that humor is very helpful. Yes.
0: Could you give us some tips on how to write a memoir in a few sentences? Like the basic, the basic pillars and the mistakes that authors want to be memoirists
1: should avoid? Um, I think, like I said before, just to, in order to start, just write something you've, the first thing you feel like writing. Okay. And then that will lead to you remembering something else. And you don't have to uh, write the whole thing in order. That's what I usually okay. tell people. Because sometimes I've heard others who struggle. They can't, they can't write the part that they know they should write next. And uh, so I I just okay. say write what you feel like and later mm-hmm. on the rest will come and also as you mentioned look up any pictures photos letters journal entries that you've had that's yeah. all all helpful and talk to other people um, like my husband uh, he remembers some things too so sure. he was there with me
0: right
1: so just write it as you see it just write it as you see it.
0: Okay. Would you do it all over again? Your writing career and your life abroad—any regrets?
1: Um, no, I think looking back, I think I don't think I have any regrets. Except, like I said before, I wish I'd been a little more positive in the uh, beginning.
0: <laughs> well, that comes with time, right? Yeah. <laughs> What is the most interesting or bizarre thing that has ever happened to you during an in-person event? You've had a few, right? We've um, met at the Holland Art in the Park, right?
1: Art in the Park, yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you had <laughs> any was, other ones? <laughs> no, that was a pretty new experience for me. And I only found out about the opening a few days before I I went. And so I had a scramble to get everything together. Did you like
0: it as a first
1: time experience? What did it feel like? (laughs) I I had lots of fun. I really enjoyed talking to all the people who Mm -hmm. came, finding out what they read. And just it was it it was very interesting. And Mm -hmm. you were there, too. You remember Mm -hmm. the author who brought her chicken, I'm sure. Yes. (laughs) Jean
0: Davis. the Davis.
1: (laughs) The chicken outsold us all. She sold the chicken sold. Forty books. Yeah, <laughs> more than any of us.
0: Well, maybe next time we should bring something
1: too, some <laughs> yeah. sort of an animal, right? <laughs> right. We could all learn from that, I guess. Yeah.
0: What's next for Jen on your writing journey?
1: Well, I've already started um, a memoir about our time in Taiwan. Okay. So I'm, uh, I've am i got a, several more chapters to write on that, but that'll be next.
0: Do you think it's going to be easier than the first one?
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love your honesty. And you are so right. They never are. The next book is never easier than the previous one.
1: <laughs> well, and the other thing about it is that it was a longer time ago that I was there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I don't, it was before I had my, my, uh, a good camera. Uh-huh. So I don't have as many pictures.
0: Oh, okay. But
1: I do have all the letters that I sent to my mother. She okay. saved them for some reason. So that, that helps. That's a lot. good. That'll help. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All
0: right, Jen, would you like to read to us?
1: Sure. Um, I'll read, I tried to pick some short, something mm-hmm. short. So I'm going to read a story called Chickens in Church. Okay. And then if I can, I'll read a short poem that's more serious. But okay. Sounds Chickens good. In, it's not unusual to see animals in church. In fact, since moving to the Philippines, I've come to expect them as part of the congregation. Churches are open-sided to allow for natural air conditioning in this tropical climate, so anything or anyone can easily wander in and out. Most common are the dogs. There's the dog who regularly attends Sunday services even when his owner does not. And one pastor has a dog who follows him up to the pulpit, makes himself comfortable, sleeps through the entire sermon, and walks out with the pastor to greet the parishioners at the door. Carl told me about two dogs he first saw. He saw the first time he attended a Filipino church. They hung around in the back of the room until two deacons stood up to take the offering. As if on cue, they fell and stepped behind the men, stopped as they stood to pray, then marched down the aisle behind them in step as they collected the offering. These are the religious dogs. The run of the mill variety come because of the snacks that moms give their children to keep them occupied during the service. They're the janitor dogs who seem to think it's their duty to keep the cement floors clean. One particularly, particularly, I'm sorry, One particular Sunday, we drive several kilometers to attend a church in a distant part of our province. Carl parks our car in the grassy lot next to the cement block building and we walk under the hot sun toward the church. I notice the chickens scratching in the dirt but think nothing of it. We greet the members, find some empty chairs and sit down. A dog wanders in and settles down in the aisle. Praise team members take their places in front and we all stand to sing. The music seems to have attracted the chickens who are now strutting around the room. Singing ends and the pastor begins to preach. My Tagalog is still limited to the basic greetings and a bit of market vocabulary, so I'm easily distracted. Halfway through the sermon, one of the hens flies up into the rafters for a bird's eye view. The pastor continues his sermon. Children open snack wrappers. A mom tries to quiet her toddler. Several people fan themselves with bulletins, and I watch the hen. The hen makes her way around the side of the room on the rafters, then stops at our row. I notice the cross beam directly overhead. The hen now has my full attention. Glancing up without being obvious is a challenge, but I need to keep my eye on that bird. She inches her way along the beam, and I nudge my husband. He's not at all concerned. Imagining a worst case scenario, as I recall previous experiences with chickens, I quietly edge my chair back a bit. The bird's eyes seem focused on me. I'm probably the first foreigner she's seen. She stops directly above me. I back up a bit more, trying not to distract the person behind me. The hen does not move, and I can't move any farther without causing a disturbance in church. How long this continues, I don't know. I'm so focused on that hen that I don't notice that the pastor fin- has finished preaching until everyone stands for the benediction. I leave the tr- service concluding that wearing hats to church, as my mom did when I was growing up, would have some merit in this place.
0: It sure would.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a kind of a short more serious poem, it's called Find Me God. On foreign soil, roots tugged, pulled out, shaken, free of whatever clings, planted in this new garden. Lush, green, flowering, fruitful. Plants thrive here, will I? I wilt, wither in the relentless heat. Sun burns, anger burns, in a wilderness full of vegetation. Afternoon, brings torrential rain drowning me raindrops teardrops doubts pound like hail unfamiliar sounds deafening prayers tied up in knots find me god that was more of the difficult part Mm -hmm. of my time there all right thank you
0: all right can you give us the details of your book
1: giveaway Sure. My email address is jan.afman, J-A-N, A-F-M-A-N, at gmail.com. And that's, it's all in small letters. I'll say it again. Jan, J-A-N, dot, afman, A-F-M-A-N, at gmail.com. And the first listener who emails you at that
0: address will will receive a signed copy of your book. Okay. Mm -hmm. And now parting shots from each one of us. You first, Jan. You're my guest. What would you like to leave our listeners with?
1: Um, Don't avoid difficult life experiences. they are opportunities to grow and learn. And humor is helpful. And also, um, if you want to write, join a writing group. (laughs) Perfect.
0: And my parting shots are Write Indie, Buy Indie, and Read Indie. Read your local newspapers for inspiration. Keep your fingers on the keyboard and your butt in the chair. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.